Welcome back to the Awkward Thinking Podcast, a safe space for weird thoughts. I'm your boy Nas, aka Stacks. What up, I'm Vince. And we are the friends you never knew you needed. Awkward Thinkers. Woo! White people claps in the building. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we have a special guest in the building. You know, just like the seasons, but we in winter, but we got autumn in the building. Ladies and gentlemen, white people class stand up. Damn, my white people class is low. Yes. Tell the people who you is and who you ain't. Okay, so my name is Autumn. Um, I am a social worker by day, homegirl by night. Okay. Um, what else? That's that's me okay. in a nutshell. I was watching a documentary, and I know I always go back to the documentary. It's called Studs. Did you see it? Um, it's about Jonah Hill and his um, his therapist. And basically, he's a non-traditional therapist. Basically, like what you said, you're a homegirl by night. So how would you... Are your what are your ways of in your therapy like teachings to make that your client be like oh this is the person for me yeah so i um i don't like to self-disclose too much with my therapist because i mean with my clients because i don't want to make it about me yeah but i do like to be open like i've been through something similar whatever the case may be and um also like i'm not afraid to hide who i am or where i come from so i think that that makes people want to feel like we vibe not only because you know like a lot of times when young black people are looking for therapists they they're looking and they see another young black person and they're like okay i think i i may like her but when it comes to that i like my my bio to be real i want it to be authentic i don't want it to talk about accolades i want it to talk about who i am Mm -hmm. so i think that that is what draws people in and that's how we vibe why does you looking like me have to matter if you're coming with me with an unbiased opinion. Excuse me. Go ahead. <coughs> but um, I think it just depends on what you're looking for. Because I've had friends who really vibed with their white therapist and they feel like they come with, um, you know, they're non-biased and they're just authentic and real. But I think it just depends on what you're looking for. Like, if you're like, okay, I feel like my struggles and what I experienced in my childhood as a black person is why I am the way that I am today, so I'm going to seek a black therapist. Mm -hmm. I think it just really depends on what you're looking for. Okay. I think it's also, uh, you know, sometimes with white therapists and black clients or even the other way around, it's some things that I go through, and when I talk about them and explain them, they're not able to understand because you haven't lived that lifestyle. You You don't know... You don't know certain cultural things that we go through. So, like, uh, I'm trying to think of, like, just But can't you stuff. just read no. about it? Some stuff is not a... And that that's a problem I'm really having right now at work because it's like some stuff is not... You can't read up on it to understand what people go through. Sometimes you actually got to live through it or you got to at least experience it for yourself or be close to the situation to understand specifically what a person is going through. It's not... Everything can't just be found in a book. Okay. Okay, no doubt. So I seen that you was on uh, a TED Talk. I've been wanting to do a TED Talk. I don't know how you do it. But I, I feel like I got a nice story to tell for TED Talk. So like, break that down for me. Yeah, so it was a goal of mine that I wanted to do. I didn't think it would happen this soon. But it was just something I want to do, like, in the next, I don't know, five to ten years. And so there was a neighborhood in Columbus. It's a predominantly black neighborhood neighborhood very historic like the first projects in columbus were built in that neighborhood 
they're not there anymore, but that's a different story. But um, the point is, it's a real predominantly black neighborhood, and some people who grew up there decided to organize uh, um, this TED Talk. So this was the fifth year, I think, of it, fourth or fifth year. So you apply, mm-hmm. um, and in order to get approved for this particular one, you had to either live in that neighborhood, grow up in that neighborhood, or do some type of community work in that neighborhood. Yeah. So um, I went to middle school, not directly in that neighborhood, but, like, in the neighborhood next to it. And um, my friend and I, we started, like, passing out flowers on Mother's Day to um, mothers who've lost children to gun violence. And this is a friend who I went to that middle school with, and we lost so many people that we went to school with and that was just something we came up with to do so like with me knowing that I wanted to do a TED talk and then the TED talk in that particular neighborhood was looking for applicants it just instantly came to my mind I already knew what I was going to do so I filled out the application application was due like in the beginning of the year um I got an email saying that um they picked me in like June and then July came when we started intensively practicing. So my TED talk was about addressing gun violence with a radical approach. So um, it was in October. So what I talked about in the TED talk was I talked about my own experiences losing people to gun violence. And then I talked a little bit about what my friend and I had started doing. And then I also talked about as a social worker, I want to empower the community by allowing the community to lead but also being confident in like my own experiences to know that I have the ability to help people feel confident about what they're experiencing as well you know like a lot of people don't talk about oh I lost I lost a good friend of mine to gun violence like I know when I was in college we didn't talk about that stuff and it actually felt like kind of I was embarrassed a little Mm -hmm. um, when it came to situations like that because I knew that the people that I was around they don't know anything about that life. Yeah. But I feel like I'm finally in a place to where instead of feeling like ashamed, I feel empowered. Yeah. So. So like I'm kind of interested now because it's how did you how was your upbringing? Um, I grew up in a single parent home um in the hood, really. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like I was spoiled for our our class, if mm-hmm. that makes sense, like um, it was just me and my mom. She made sure I had everything that I wanted. But we went without a lot of different things. Um, and I feel like um, just the love that she had for me, she put me before everything else, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like, we would sleep with the stove open. We would sleep with, you know, a bunch of different things and go without. But um, I didn't really realize how segregated things were until I got out of that environment. Mm. Until I went to college, until I was around all these other people. Like, I thought that was normal. Mm. You know, like, we lived in this apartment complex, and we would all walk to the corner store with our mom's food stamp cards. Yeah. I thought that was normal. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it is. I but, still do it to the day. You, you know, know I mean? but, like, I thought that, that I thought everybody had one of those. Yeah. I didn't know it was, like, for a certain population. Yeah. So, just being exposed to, like, more things. I think, like, when I first... When I first went to college and um, got out of that environment, I think I became embarrassed. Mm. Um, I remember, like, when I first went to school, because um, I, I bought my first car by myself. And, I, you know, that's a, a proud moment. But when mm-hmm. I came to college and I'm seeing what everybody else is driving, I'm like, I don't want to drive anymore. Yeah. I was embarrassed. You know, like... What you had? Hmm, what you had? I think I had a, I had a 1997 
Toyota Corolla. Oh, mm. okay. <clears throat> but for your first yeah, car, that's, I feel like that's you know, great. That's yeah, great. But it was like cool in high school. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of people didn't really have cars. Mm-hmm. We didn't have no cars in college. So, yeah. <laughs> so I get it. We used on hood Ubers. That's crazy. Not the hood Ubers. We used on hood Ubers. They had to, what, $10, $15 get you in town? Yeah, take yeah. you in town. You go to the grocery store. You come back or you go pick up food or somebody else is already in town. And all this is happening in a group meet group chat. You just like, oh, I need this. So with your TED Talk, they actually sit and, like, prep you for that? I didn't know you get prepped for that. I just thought everybody was yeah, just, just, like... Yeah, going there. Like, yeah. So how was that? So you have to memorize it. Um, so, like, we wrote it ourselves, but, like, um, we would practice once a month, and then the month of, it was, like, an every week type of thing. And we were also connected with uh, past speakers who have similar stories, Mm-hmm. And they gave us feedback and helped us. And you can meet up with that person at your own leisure if you mm-hmm. you know if you want to meet up with them more. But it was just like two set meetings with that person, and then we had group practices. But we didn't have like a full run through until the week of, mm-hmm. and we were like on the stage. That's nice. So, do you think um, like your background is what made you? Because when I first came in, you was talking about uh, your bachelor's in, is in journaling, right? But you got your um, you got your master's, right, mm-hmm. in social work. So what helped you get there? Was that your background or was that just, uh, like, something you felt like you needed to do? So I think it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. So um, I wanted to be a journalist. I loved to write. I thought I was going to move to New York and write for, like, Teen Vogue. Like, that was that was the dream. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so when I was in college, I worked multiple jobs, and I was a home health aide. And I really enjoyed, like, helping people. And I always thought that that was, like, a just something I enjoyed doing on the side. And then after I graduated, I worked in digital marketing. Um, but it was, like, it wasn't fulfilling. And I was really depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew, I knew that was, I knew it was temporary. Like, this isn't where I want to be. But, like, I just felt very stagnant, um, unfulfilled. And um, what happened? So I had a blog. So I started a blog and I talked a lot about like lifestyle and like mental health, but I felt I still felt like it was a hobby. Mm-hmm. And then I just decided like, you know, I think I want to take this mental health thing to the next level and I want to I want to go to grad school and become a therapist. So, um that's pretty much what happened. So then I started researching programs. So I was torn in between like mental health counseling and social work. With both degrees, you can be a therapist, but mm-hmm. the reason why I went the social work route was more from my background. Um, I'm like, I want to be able to work in the community. Yeah. And it's it's more broad. Mm-hmm. So. Social work uh, <clears throat> definitely has more avenues than what I thought it did. And I wish, because I got my bachelor's in psychology, and mm-hmm. I wish that I would have just got it in uh, social work and then went on and straight and got my master's. Because uh, it's so much that, like you said, you can do with social work. You can help people. You can actually give therapy and counseling and all that. Uh it's a good feel, and I don't think a lot of people be knowing, like, the avenues that you can go through mm-hmm. with social work. That's what's up. You tell someone you tell someone you're a social worker, they're like, oh, you take people's yeah. kids? We, listen, because <laughs> <laughs> my mother used to get the social workers called on her all the time for us, and, like, out of petty stuff. So that's all, when social workers came, it was never a, a okay, like, Y'all here to help, even though we did get help sometimes, but it was like, y'all here to take people's kids. Mm-hmm. And that's how we always saw it. So when I did come up, I'm thinking, okay, 
social worker is just somebody who take kids. It does not get described the way that it does when you're actually in college. And they like, no, nah, you can do X, Y, and Z with a social work degree. So that's what's up. I know that you said that, you, you know, your mom was a single uh, parent and stuff like that. So did anybody prepare you? And what I what I mean by this is, um, let me ask the question first. Anybody prepare you to be a woman? And the reason why I ask you is that because as an idea as a kid, you know, I thought as a man, all right, you you talk shit, you eat steak, you know, you do this thing, but nobody really said, oh, this is going to be your way into being a man. In short, no. No. Mm. And I think it took me a long time to be able to confidently answer that question and say no, mm-hmm. because it's like no. No shame or no harm to my mom, but I feel like she did the best that she could. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that it prepared me for success Yeah. or who I am as a woman today. So what do you define womanhood now? Well, building up to that. Or is that... Oh. Oh. That's, a, that's a real, like, <clears throat> complex question. Um, I feel like the one, the one lesson or the one thing that I, like, really learned from my mom, she always told me to, you know, be nice to other people. And my mom is a, a really nice person, um, but she's also a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. So that's how I grew up, a people pleaser. And I thought that that's, that's the life that I was supposed to live. That's how I was supposed to be. Um, and But with being a people pleaser, it also comes with people taking advantage of you sometimes. And also not really, you feel like you're giving, 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 so you're not able to see your faults or where you went wrong. You think that, oh, I'm giving, so I don't do any wrong. And so with that, I think that as I became an adult, um, I just learned that's not that's not the life that I want to live. Mm-hmm. You can be you can be kind, but you don't always have to be nice. And I think that goes into the whole thing of womanhood and femininity and all those things. Being feminine doesn't equate to letting people walk all over you. It doesn't equate to being a doormat. It equates to being confident in who you are. And I think that's what defines womanhood. Mm. Do you feel like a lot of women nowadays have took the independent narrative and spun it to being like what in the bu- because all right in the ignorant th- thought of being a man you would expect a woman to be soft but nowadays we get these independent women and it's uh, a hard thing not saying such a hard but i'm independent i don't need a man so what are those pinpoints of that balance when it comes to that yeah i so i feel like i i do fit that strong black woman independent mm-hmm. woman uh stereotype and I don't want to be that yeah Mm -hmm. um so I think watching my mom I was forced to be independent whether that be because I watched her do everything by herself or the mistakes that she made because I you know like I started working as a teenager to help her out to do things that I wanted to do um so I'm like okay this is a responsibility that I have to take on I have to do this I have to do that um, I have to be in control. I have to, you know, just do this, do this, do this. So, like, now at this stage in my life, in my late 20s, I'm like, that's not the life that I want to live. Mm-hmm. Especially now as a mother, like, I don't, want, I don't want my son to grow up and say, my mom did this, this, and this, and this, and this. That's why she's a good mom. No. Mm-hmm. I want to be a good mom because you think I'm nurturing. You think I'm, I uh, appeal to your emotional needs. I have fun with you. I don't want it to be, like, the things that I do mm-hmm. to take care of you. You know, I think growing up in, like, black households, 
a lot of times we hear like I put a roof over your head so I'm, this this what makes me a good parent and mm-hmm. I don't want to be that or this is what makes me a good man or a good woman a lot of times it's what you do but not what you do mm-hmm. if that makes sense so um, with that I, lo- I love that you brought that up because I had this thing of staying in the child's place did you feel like that hurt you a lot it did and it's like I feel like parents use it when it's convenient for you like my mom if I would jump into a conversation or I would say this I would say that she would tell me to stay in the child's place or if I said something she didn't want she didn't like Mm -hmm. like my own opinion that she didn't like she would tell me to stay in the child's place but when you need my help or you need me to do something you want to involve me all in your business Mm -hmm. you got to pick a side yeah 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 that's deep. I, I always used to get in trouble because you know when you when you only child is that sm- you got a smart mouth. You know mm-hmm. you you talking out of turn, but it's like I'm looking at it as an unbiased person. I'm looking at it through the whole what we was just talking about through the whole grand scheme. I'm looking at all right. This don't make you feel good, and you know this this makes you feel good. So why are you doing this? Why are you mm-hmm. putting yourself through this? But since <clears> I'm a kid, the only time you can take me serious is when I'm talking about something, something physical. Oh, you getting big. Oh, we laugh. Da, 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 da. You know, but mm-hmm. that's the only time you can take a kid serious. But now, staying in the child's place, I'm left with questions as an adult that I needed to be answered as a kid. Do you feel like uh, with your background, like uh, with your second degree, do you think that's helped you as a mother? I think it has. Mm-hmm. Um, because the transition into motherhood kind of happened at the same time when I decided to go back to school like Mm -hmm. it was a thought that I had had before he was born but like I think I started school excuse me (coughs) when he was like six months old Mm -hmm. so I think it like just being not only being in school and like going back into being busy in that aspect but also the material that I was learning kind of helped me learn how to Mm -hmm. be more patient and just you know be more nurturing Mm -hmm. Um, cause I, the reason why I ask that because I know like uh, in, in undergrad as I was going through I got a bunch of nieces and nephews who I like help raise and there was a lot of things that I was learning and I'm like damn we kind of like you know messing them up a little bit I see like some of the stuff that's being repeated or I see uh, some of the stuff that does need to be changed and it wasn't until I felt like I was learning new things and not necessarily just from my degree, but just even from like the people around me. When you start talking to everybody and you do realize we got the same backstory and that, you know, we kind of a little messed up and that's not OK. It I don't know. It just kind of helped me realize, like, I got to do better with them. And of course, with my kids, when I come around, but it just helped me realize I got to do better with them. So how is it raising a boy, you know? I don't know if you're a single uh, parent, but how is it raising a boy? So, funny, because um, when I found out I was pregnant, um, I knew that it was a boy. I just, I felt it in my spirit. And I wanted a girl, I think a lot of women do, like, oh, I want a mini me, I want her to look like me, I want to do her hair, you know, the little cute stuff. But I wasn't, I wasn't upset. Mm -hmm. But I'm just like, okay, it is what it is, whatever. But I think that it's, What's the word I'm looking for? Everything I, like, never imagined. Um, I feel like I'm raising him the same way that I would raise a daughter. Like, when it, as far as, like, the basics and the domestics. Like, how to wash up. Mm-hmm. How to, like, he helps me in the kitchen sometimes. Like, just little stuff. How to express how you feel. So, it's like, it's not really, right now at least, it's not really, like, a gender thing. Yeah. And I'm sure that a 
that'll change as he gets older and kind of grows into himself as a as a black man. But um, it's great. Okay. And it's like I never thought that I would say it, but it's like I really have like a mini me that's we're not the same sex. Mm-hmm. And it's like he wants to do everything that I do, but he knows that I'm a girl. If that makes sense, yeah. like he knows he doesn't wear a bra. Like he knows boys don't wear bras. Um, and like. If I'm putting on like lashes, like fake lashes or something, he calls them eyebrows. He knows bo- <laughs> <laughs> he knows boys don't wear them, but like just little stuff. Like if I'm putting on perfume, he wants he wants his own spray. Like yeah. he wants he wants everything that I do, but he knows that we're not the mm. same sex, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, especially growing up as an only child, so there wasn't any there wasn't a man in the house. So like mm-hmm. it's like I'm just kind of starting from mm-hmm. scratch. Yeah, is. Hot takes. So, do you have any hot takes? Do you have any opinions that you want to just let loose and say, you know what, this is right. I don't give a fuck what you think. This is that. Hmm. About anything? Anything. Anything in the world. Hmm. Okay, since we're on the topic, I think that black women fail black men more than they realize. Hmm. I was not expecting Shit, that. I that is, that is, <laughs> that is, let's tune in. Go ahead. So I was just I saw a tweet on Twitter the other day and it was like, um, women raise men to tell them that they shouldn't cry, they shouldn't do this, they shouldn't do that, and then in result black men are desensitized by society and then they grow up and then like they get into these relationships. And here we are as black women still blaming them. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's a narcissist. He's toxic. He's this. He's that. But like, and I'm not saying it's your job to fix anybody as some as a woman dating a black man. But like, have you ever sat back and thought about how we are um, continuing this cycle? Like how we um, how this is we're part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of the times we've we've bashed that that thought, um, and we say a lot of the women that do raise boys usually raise the man that they always wanted, mm-hmm. as in they'll put in attributes of of how your father should have treated me, mm-hmm. and then it kind of hinders to him because it's like where is my identity as my own manhood coming at? And you got a kid who now is like the man of the household at a very early age. I was never a fan of that. Eight-year-old is not the man of the household. He's the child of the household. You just need to run your household, however. Mm -hmm. Um, You got little boys who grow up thinking, I got to provide for everybody. And then when they become adult men, they still feel that way. And now they don't. That's all they know is, I just got to be a provider. And that's why a lot of of times black men just feel like I'm I'm money to somebody. I'm just an ATM or I'm just something for somebody... Uh, to you know, I'm just security for someone else. But I do think it's important that when we raising black men, even as a black man, you when I when I have sons, hopefully I do have sons and daughters and stuff. But when I raise them, I do want them to know like you are more than just uh, a provider, a protector for anybody else. You you are you yourself first. Um, yeah. yeah. My hot take is, and I've been I've been on this thought. Everybody's been giving me hell for this this thought I posted on my Instagram. I think that the, in my beautiful opinion, Mm -hmm. that the rich auntie is an excuse for a woman that is not ready for responsibility or commitment. Mm. (laughs) 
that's that's my that's my just because when you when you think of the rich auntie is always when say you're dealing with a man it's just like oh i'll be the rich auntie i don't got to deal with that i'm trying to just focus on my career or your your kid acting out oh i'm gonna be the rich auntie i can give it back i can do this so i just think that idea is them to say oh i'm not i'm not ready yet i'm just i'm i'm okay I don't agree he with don't me. agree with me. I don't, because I just feel like um, the rich auntie is just even because his points I feel like are valid points of why I don't want to do those things. I don't want to be in a relationship if I know that these is how people, or I know this is how people act. I, I've seen for myself how people act. I don't want kids because I see the way that these kids are, and maybe not just because of the way the kids are, but I know how I grew up. I know I don't want to have that kind of responsibility for another adult. Um, and I just don't want to put myself in a position where if I'm in a relate or if I'm not in a relationship and I'm already doing well and I'm happy, why involve somebody else into that? Mm-hmm. If I know that might, uh, you know, mess up what I got going on. I don't think it's the rich auntie is like an excuse or anything. It's I'm rich. I ain't got to have kids. I ain't got to do it if I don't want to. Okay. I always thought that I was going to be like the rich auntie. Um, in college, I... Like, anytime I'm, like, dating someone, if I got a lot going on in my life, the first thing to go is always who I'm entertaining. Mm-hmm. And um, I never thought, I didn't think I would, like, have kids until I was, like, 30. Um, and then even now, like, when I go to, like, family events, I'm always the one that's like, oh, I got to go. I got something to do. Like, I, ne- I don't stay long. I always gave that vibe, like, just so focused on herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I do, I do kind of... From my own perspective, I do think it kind of goes into your opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying that I'm not good enough. I didn't like. I didn't think that I wasn't good enough for a romantic relationship. But it's like, in my head, I got to do this, 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 and this before I could get to that point. Mm-hmm. So it's like I don't got time for that okay. type of thing. But I think it. I think every situation is. <laughs> it's weird. different. Yeah, everything is different. <laughs> Uh, what's your hot take before we move on? Vince? Um, I'm kind of over my. Uh, I don't want to be specific and say my coworkers, but I'm over coworkers. That's like in your business and shit. I don't like that. I don't uh, like that either. We grown, especially if you are not like my supervisor. Don't supervise me. Don't question me. Don't ask me stuff. Um, don't don't be in my business. I don't like that in the workplace. I just had like a situation. One of my coworkers. She don't even work there no more, but she went around. And she told the new, like a new person, like, yeah, nobody here likes you, especially like him. He doesn't like you. And I'm like, I don't got no problem with this man. I'd never talk to this man to have a problem with him. I stop fucking the workplace up. Just stop, cause I I come here for for cash. That's it. I come, I'm here for the money, and it's like I can't even enjoy that or enjoy what I'm doing because you you're bothersome in the workplace, and people don't realize that. Like, y'all make people quit jobs that they actually like. Because they don't want to be around you. And that, I don't feel like that's a, you know how you just, oh, well, that's how people are. No, you can die. I'm, you, when you like that in the workplace and you make me feel so uncomfortable like that, just disappear, bro. Don't, I don't want to be around you. You fall off the face of the earth. And stop asking dumbass interview questions like, what animal would you be? What the fuck does that have to do with the fucking job? Right. You don't like icebreakers? I I just hate that idea of like all right I'm, like 
you have to lie in an interview and then say, like, oh, I'm not here for the money. What I am here for the money. But why do we have to go through this route of, oh, yeah, what mm-hmm. animal would you be? I fucked it up one time. Um, I told the lady, she was like, yeah, what animal would you want to be? And I told her I wanted to be a hippopotamus. I'm thinking, like, oh, shit, like, nigga, that's unique. Like, nobody mm-hmm. think about that shit all the time. That's a dangerous-ass fucking animal. Why the fuck would I want you to work for me? I didn't get a call back, though. <laughs> I don't. I don't. What, why are you asking me about animal though? I don't know. I, don't I, I really get, don't know. With, with like me describing what kind of animal I'm gonna be, I don't get what that does for you as the employer. Maybe it is an icebreaker, but like, why do you want to see me in animal form? What am, what am I gonna do? <laughs> we in cosplaying, you know. But I did see on your page, um, you you did some vaginal soup things for your, you know, like tea and stuff like that. Um, it brought it rose a story in my head um, that I had uh, dealt with somebody that was doing vaginal health. health mm-hmm. Let's put it like that. So, um, you know, we're doing what grown people do. It's nighttime, <laughs> you know. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm tearing shit up. You know what I mean? I look down and, you know, something's secreting. I look down. I'm like, oh, okay. It's, it's cool. Then it curdled up. Right? So, I'm like, curdling this is this is look a little different you know what i mean so then you know after i'm done i actually i'm like yo you know what's going on you know and she's like oh i put yogurt in my vagina (laughs) 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 and i was just like so what what is the proper thing to put up there because she was like yeah it's supposed to help probiotics or something like that so she yeah she put up before we had sex she put yogurt in her vagina I don't know if that threw off her pH or anything, but yeah, what was that? Like knowingly just put it up there. It was <laughs> like had I, a tub of Greek non Greek yogurt, that non tasting yeah. Greek yogurt, and I don't know how she either she scooped it or spooned it. I don't know how she did it, but she said she put yogurt up there, and that wasn't the first time because I I tasted it. It tastes like yo play. When I went stop. down, let's <laughs> stop. Let's stop. Let's stop. No, what is the proper vaginal health, man? Let's let's get some people experienced on that. So yogurt, plain yogurt, does contain probiotics that are good to fight yeast. Right. But that's that's funny. It's so you can't put it up there. That's the, that's the thing. I've read like blogs and stuff that recommend it, but they say like to wait like twelve hours. Oh. So it could you know do Digest. what it do. Okay. So that's pretty interesting. I just feel like doing it right before you have sex is wild. Knowing like... I think it was already in there. And it was just like, all right, we about to... That don't matter. But you a nasty nigga. Because he he don't be caring. You just go keep going. It's a food fight, you know? That's what I look at it. Playing in yogurt. Anyway, um... Do you ever feel like, um... Because you said, like, you know... In the day, I'm I'm a social worker. At night, I'm a hot girl. Do you ever feel like people be expecting for you to carry on the social work part, like, and not live the hot girl lifestyle? Um, not really. Kind of. I don't know. It depends. Cause I feel like sometimes I get asked like questions, like I'm just supposed to have the answer. And it's mm-hmm. like I don't know. Yeah. Or I'm not telling you what to do. Hmm. Because even, you know, as a social worker or as a therapist, you're not telling people what to do. You're advising them. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, come up with a solution together. But I'm never going to tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. What about, um, 
What was I just about to ask? I hate when I get uh, cloudy. I have a question. I have a, like a scenario. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> you on this date, right? The guy's amazing. Describe your the type of guy that you would want to go on a date with. Just describe him. Okay. Hmm. So the type of guy I would love to go on a date with is like, hmm, brown skin, tall, very smells good. Mm-hmm. Very soft spoken but outspoken. Patient. Just a dream. Okay, just a dream. All right. So y'all go on a date. Y'all having a good vibes. He's funny. He's doing all this charismatic shit, right? Things take lead, right? You go wherever his place, your place. Things take lead anyway, right? This is the first date? No, no, no. Like, y'all knowing each other. Like, okay. you know, he, you know, it's a couple in, you know. So, he goes into this thing, you know. Y'all do what y'all grown people do. Um, you just like, oh, this was amazing. You know, you cook breakfast. You want to you be Beyonce. Y'all want to cater to you. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, you do this, and then you see his his pants on the, on the ground, right? You look down, and it, it is, it's some, some marks in the drawers. So how did you feeling? Like, what would you, what would your mind frame go from that? Would you still continue to talk to this man, or what? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I would, I would be disgusted. Okay. But I think if we're vibing and I like you and I ain't smell anything, okay. I'm gonna ignore it. Okay. So you just saying, all right? It's, it's so it's it's a it's a limit. Like you mm-hmm. can't just be nasty in your drawers. It can be like a, a streak or two. Yeah, cause I. <laughs> you gotta humanize people You know okay. Like It's like If you knew that was there though, You could've covered it up A little mm-hmm. bit But things happen um, And We We're in a bed together I don't smell anything So yeah. I'm not gonna hold it against you yeah. Have you ever been in that situation though? I have not <laughs> And I don't want to Listen <laughs> Twitter TikTok And all that Has like uh, Cause a lot of people Have been coming forward And been like Oh yeah open and I saw this and that and I'm like what the fuck like I've always felt like I've been a clean person even after using the bathroom and everything but the way that people were coming forth and saying like yeah I, a man can't sit on the sheets without leaving a stain and that that I feel like is good bullying because that made me like up my game up and just be like alright nigga leaving a stain on the sheets is crazy it's wow. crazy how much of the sheets is in your ass? But you if can you can, it? I feel like if you can leave a stain, if you can leave a stain in your underwear, you can leave a stain on sheets. No, yes, nigga, nigga my ass is closed. Your ass Sometimes is closed. I get, I'm the, walking. That's the same thing with the sheets. You sitting on the sheets, you moving around. You, but my thing is, I, I, like when they was like, men don't wipe their ass. I was like, what the fuck? Is y'all I be talking in a rush. About? Like, I'm not saying I don't wipe my ass. I just got accustomed to the wet wipes. I'm not. Listen. I got a cousin to the wet wipes because I don't know who made this thing where it was like dry toilet paper cleans everything. That's not that's not true. But sometimes you be in a rush. I don't know. And then it's like if you are dating someone and y'all, you know, get a little serious, you're doing their laundry and you, you see a, a stain, what you going to do, break up with them? Like things happen. If it, if I see it too often, yeah. yeah too I often. Okay, too often, I feel that. But I'm like, like <laughs> just once. We Son. all fuck up sometimes. I and it it also depends on how much is in there. Number one, don't if I like don't get me wrong. I, I'm growing and stuff, so I've definitely been sick. I've had accidents. Them things go in the trash. That does not touch laundry at all. So like 
I would never put my girl in that situation where you gotta see me like that. I wouldn't even want to be seen in that light. Like that, I feel like that. That's one of the things I'm too embarrassed to like want to go through. I they did good with bullying. I ain't gonna lie. With that one, that was a good thing because that. Yeah, I couldn't. I, I don't. I feel like the older you get, though, like you know what I mean. Older you get, you forget. That's what I think. You don't because older people be shitting on themselves and. Oh, it's just I they can old. see it. If you are very, very old, you in a wheelchair, whatever. Sixty five. What if I it's like know. a wet willy? <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, um, like I, you know, an accidental short happened. Again, accidents do happen. I, I agree. No one should see that though. No one should see the aftermath of that. Throw the underwear away. Is don't even put that in my washing machine. I'm gonna be pissed off if I come in and I see because that's. You gonna leave that in there? Yeah, and it's like when you're involved with someone, you just kind of want to be on your p's and q's. Yeah, it is stuff For that the I first couple. Sometimes you get. Well, yeah, I, I will say at the beginning you are yeah. very, very uh, on your p's and q's, and you do start to lessen up a little bit the longer you in a relationship or you, you know the longer things go, you get more comfortable. There are things that you can be comfortable with. That's like, okay, the nigga don't put the cap back on the toothpaste. I don't do that. But you not go catch shit in my drawers, not <laughs> so, not like that. So like the farting thing, now I've given the custom like I don't I don't care if you fart, you mm-hmm. human, you know what I mean? Like she got to let it out, she got to let it out. Um, remember the story I told you about the girl, right? Mm-hmm. She spread her cheeks and she farted in front of me, right? <laughs> so, so she did that, but you know she you know she moved on, she found another dude, and I guess she farted in him uh, to near him, and he kicked her right out. Like, really? He was not messing with her. She was like, oh, my God, I felt so embarrassed. But I told her, like, everybody ain't going to make you feel comfortable. Everybody ain't cool with that. I'm not kicking you out because you fart. That, I feel like that's childish. We it all, is childish. It we is all childish. fart. It's a human thing. It's not like, and it, I mean, don't be gross. Like, I don't, I feel like you can be you very gross You can't just be fart. like, oh, you, it's farts and that's yeah. you can't be, you can't say you can't be gross. Like, nigga, don't be gross. Fart. You listen, it, it's possible to fart and still fart. And then it's possible to fart and be nasty with it. Don't be nasty with it. Don't like, like you, I'm th- lifting your ass cheeks up. That was nasty. I ain't need to see that. That wasn't, don't do nothing like that. It was funny. There's certain for things that should be funny. It was funny. I'm glad I you be fine enjoying that, but uh, <laughs> I'm not against farting. But just don't don't be nasty. You ain't got to be nasty with it. But I ain't gonna also kick you out because you pass some gas. Like as that, long as I don't smell it, I don't care. If, I don't care how it sounds. It's just as long as I don't smell it. That's gonna make me like look at you different. Like you know stink. how Fiona changed. That's how it is. Fart, fart stink though. Not all the time. Not all the time, but fart stink. So it's like she ain't gonna be able to be. Well, I'm. We. I feel like you know when it be warm because you be like, fuck. I know that one was nasty. But in and this we situ- got a leather couch too, so them motherfuckers be staying there. You know what I mean? Shut up, man. But in that situation, she not thinking like, okay, this one. She probably thinking this is about to be quiet. I'm about to just slide this one out. We gonna be good, nah. Mm. I feel like a lot of girls do the silent fart. Mm. Like the side uh, ass cheek to the side. I didn't. I grew up with sisters, so I knew like women farted. Like women farting was never like, oh, this is my sisters were just farting like niggas. So it was my like, mom fart like a nigga. She she do like, and I was like, only you do this. That's how I, I thought. I was like, only you Not fart only like you this. Do. Oh wait, I do got one more question. So like, um, I'm sorry, because <laughs> uh, I'm I'm working in the field, but I'm not working where I want to be at where I feel like I can make actual change but I am seeing 
people who have our or have the degrees that I'm wanting. I'm seeing them work with youth and I'm seeing them deal with the kids and I don't like it. I don't because I don't feel like I'm seeing change. I don't feel like I'm seeing people grow. And that was something I struggled at with my first job. Like, y'all not helping these kids. Y'all just, you know, letting these kids fuck themselves up even more. And you're fucking them up even more. Is, do you feel like, has there been a point within your career where you're like, I got to get up out of here because I'm seeing you're not really supposed to be, or you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing? Yeah, so I worked at a psych hospital. Um this was like while I was in school, so I wasn't a social worker there. I was just, um, what was I doing? I was a mental health tech. Mm-hmm. And so we had like an adult unit and a geriatric unit. And like I noticed that the other techs and some of the nurses were very mean to the geriatric patients. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of them had like dementia and stuff like that. And they would get mean. Like mm-hmm. they would say mean things to us. But like when it came to like bathing them or like changing their a lot of them wore diapers. So, like, changing their diapers, like, they would just... It smells like piss, and mm-hmm. you're just letting them sit in it. Like, yeah. they just didn't care. And that bothered me a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, I, this isn't where I want to be. Yeah. I feel that, because I feel like... Um, when you, Especially, I feel like having a good soul, and I know a lot of people who be like, I got a good soul. They be bad people. But I got a good soul. But I do feel like uh, the longer I've been here, the more I've, like not hated the field but i've hated to see some of the things that come up out of the field and it's like i want to see the kids get help and i do i want that but i know i'm not going to be an agent of change here in this place and i feel like that that sucks like because i know they need it but that is that's crazy having somebody sit in their own piss and stuff for hours yeah i almost threw my great grandma because of that <clears throat> real shit you almost threw her yeah so we was changing her you know she had arthritis and stuff so she changing her and uh, the diaper, I guess, whatever. And I think she was shitting in the midst of it. So I'm, I'm young. I think I'm like high school or something like that. So I'm like, I'm damn near about to like toss you. Like, like it, my oh mom my was God. like, you better not throw my grandma. But I was like, <laughs> that is wild. I didn't want to get shit on me. So I, I was about to throw my great grandma because of that. Mm-hmm. And then one more. As a therapist, especially I feel like as a black therapist, like you said, you've come up. Um, in some not so great situations you've been um you know victim of gun violence regardless if it was like you know directly you or even around you you've lost people too and everything do you feel like um when you got into your field do you feel like you needed a counselor like a therapist yeah especially oh you do Mm -hmm. how does that work for you like um like do you have a therapist yeah because like the last guest we had on the show he talked about uh going into the field too and he was like I need a therapist for the stuff that I'm dealing with as a person then I need a therapist for the stuff that I'm dealing with at work like dealing with clients and then I think a therapist for something else I forgot what it was so yeah so my therapist that I have I've been seeing her for three years now so like she was with me when I really really needed her she was with me throughout grad school and I'm still with her now Mm -hmm. and um I would say like my internship because uh, in grad school, you it's a requirement or whatever. And it was a lot. It was at, like, a community mental health agency. Um, and it was, like, Catholic-driven. Mm-hmm. It was just a lot. Like, and I, I learned a lot there, but I feel like I didn't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. So I really had to work through that. On top of, like, like you were saying, just the personal things that I had going on in my life at the time. Mm. Thank you. You can... 
I, I can't I can't hit my button? Yep. Okay. I'll be liking my buttons. It's about that time where we leave you with a positive message to get through the week. Special guest, what is your positive message to get through the week? Hmm. Does it have to be original? Oh, it doesn't. Okay. We're going to put some Something that's been on my mind recently is just like, to whom much is given, much is required. Mm. Okay. All right. I'm going to elaborate on that. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I used to feel like punished. In a sense, like, why is my life like this? Mm. But as I, like, receive blessings or, like, do things that I want to do, I'm like, it's all a part of the plan. So I think that's a good message to just keep going. Okay. Vince, what is your positive message to get through the week? You go first. I'm still thinking. Mm-hmm. I don't never be having positive messages for y'all. It really be like, get your shit together. Um <laughs> What do I want to give to the world? Um, I'm about to make a. Uh, what have we been talking? About? Oh yeah, wash your drawers. If you you 35 at this point, you know what I mean. You probably listening. You probably laughing. I kiki, but you need to hit the toilet again. You know, wipe my aunt. Uh, what's her name? I don't even remember my aunt name. Damn, my, what the fuck is going on with me? Aunt Gail. There we go. My aunt Gail was like. Make sure you wipe until you can't see no more brown. Yeah. So that's 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 what it is. That's my positive message. Wipe until you see no more brown. And that's how you get through life. So that's how motivational speakers be. Um I don't know. Uh listen more, I guess. I would say listen more than respond to more. Uh especially this upcoming year. I feel like sometimes we talk more than what we have to. Listen more. That's it. Mm-hmm. Actually, one more thing. And I know we was about to end the show, but I do have one more thing. What is it the misconceptions? Like I know you have a kid and stuff like that, and you in your career and you doing it, you know, doing a damn thing. So like what is that misconceptions that people like you can't live, your life is dedicated to this child type of thing? Like, what do you say to that? Like, so when I feel like everything I say is so deep, so sorry. Was, but like when he was first born, I used I was afraid. Like I'm like, I'm gonna lose my identity. I don't wanna become just a mom mm-hmm. but I feel like if you just continue to live your life and do what you want to do that won't happen it just adds to who you are as a person and I do think that children can be burdens like they're gonna excuse me <coughs> set you back in some way mm-hmm. but it all depends on how you look at it okay with that being said I'm Nas I'm Vince special guest I'm Autumn Thank you for being awkward. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. Give us some streams. Give us a five-star rating. Tell everybody why I'm your favorite person on the show. Um, and Vince won't be here next week because we're kicking him off for a new person. Mm. All right. Thank you for being awkward. See you next week. <laughs> I'll be forgetting. It's not that loud.